0: You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. And welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Somebody said to me just this morning that things must be dull now that the election season is over. Well, that's hardly true. Now there'll be a new member of the city council in about a week, but the county and the board of supervisors continues to be the nexus of so many important issues facing the community. The ongoing recovery from the earthquake, a new campus for Napa's largest agency, Berryessa, Walt Ranch, Winery Development and Expansion, Napa Pipe, Water, and a New Jail. And that's not even a complete list. Here to talk about some of this today on NapaBroadcasting.com, I'm joined by Napa County Supervisor Keith Caldwell. Keith, thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to great, be here.
0: Great to have you here. When you rattle off that list, and, and that was just a superficial list, you guys have a lot on your plate.
1: And the first thing that comes to my mind is a lot of what you listed is in uh, District 5, which is my district. Indeed it is. uh, There's a lot going on. I I think the only thing you didn't have there was the uh, sire quarry is uh, starting. Right. That one's starting to heat up a little bit, and that also is in my district. So uh, a lot on the plate right now.
0: How did it come to pass, or is it just kind of one of these perfect storm situations that so many of these issues... Have really come to a head at you know more or less the same period of time.
1: Well, I think I think a couple of things has happened. Is one is I think there's a lot more um, uh, interest in, and uh, input on on some of the projects. Um, uh, you know, I think that that uh, a lot of the projects have, have risen to the level that they are because of some of the uh, environmental impacts or some of the impacts on on people's quality of life even. Uh, and uh, we have a lot more involvement at the at the uh, at the public level. Of course, one of the big issues that
0: I would argue hasn't been as big an issue in many many years, and it seems to be gigantic right now, is the whole issue of winery development and expansion. It really seems to be at a critical mass in some ways.
1: Well, I, I think a part of that is, is, as you said before, it's just a, kind of the perfect storm. You know, we. We are in the middle of uh, one of the driest uh, uh, couple of years that we've had in a long time. And so water is is a main or major issue with a lot of individuals. Uh, I think that uh, the Board of Supervisors is going to look at the whole um, winery development issue and, and uh, on March 10th. Uh, we have a special meeting Um I have uh, had the opportunity to see some of the data of which all is public information, number of wineries approved after the WDO, number of wineries prior to the WDO, all of that. And some of the data that's associated with that is gallonage, uh, um, uh, tourism, visits. And I think people will be a little surprised that uh, the numbers – uh, don't seem to be uh, in the in the on the side of of what's been approved after the WDO. Um, I think that you're going to see most of the numbers associated with that are uh, pre-WDO, which um, you know we don't we don't have a lot of control over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't fall under it. Uh, they were approved prior uh, prior to the winery definition ordinance, which goes back to 1990. Right. Um, and so um, I, I just don't see the numbers, but uh, I, I think that there, that uh, there is a lot of interest in what the county is approving in the agricultural areas areas. I share some of those concerns and I think it uh, may be a time to have that discussion on um, do we change uh, some of that criteria uh, for Uh, Is it agriculture or is it uh, a tourism, um, you know, kind of a a, a, um, facility? And uh, maybe we change some of those, uh, some of that criteria. Should we be
0: looking to change it or looking at this in the context of the numbers, the hard and fast numbers that you were talking about before that people will have an opportunity to look at and talk about, or is there also the element of perception, and to the extension, to the extent that perception is reality, does that have to really factor into the equation
1: as well? Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, there is a lot of misinformation out there, uh, and I think that that people hear this misinformation, they they certainly add on their spin to it, and then all of a sudden it becomes uh, what it is. Um, you know, I, I was at. Uh, Uh, mostly at at Tuesday's meetings and a lot of the emails that I'm receiving in lately is uh, the County uh, never turns down any project that we approve every project there is. Uh, And it's kind of funny. I, I sit on the, um, uh, legislation, uh, legislative uh, Action Committee for the Napa Chamber of Commerce. And I was at that meeting yesterday morning, and I was told that how difficult it is to even get a project approved in the <laughs> county, and the county never approves anything. And so depending on depending on the, the party that you're talking to, is you're going to get a whole different perspective. And I think that as long as uh, we keep both of them upset, we're doing a pretty good job.
0: Right. I mean, that and, is the true criteria. If everybody's unhappy, then maybe you're doing something right.
1: But, uh, you know, I had a, I had another meeting today, and I think that you really have to look at it uh, compared to the other North Bay counties. Uh, you know, it, if you look at Solano County and the growth that they've had there, you look at Sonoma County and the growth they've had there, and then you look at Napa County itself, even with American Canyon, too, I'm the first one to admit that they they had an explosive growth mm-hmm. over the last 20 years in American Canyon. But if you look at the rest of Napa County, uh, we truly are a slow growth uh, community and and I think that we've been able to keep those numbers down. Uh, I think what we need to do is work together the cities and the county with uh, significant input from all of the stakeholders and I view the stakeholders as being uh, the environmental groups, uh, just everyday private citizens and those that are involved in the in the winery and or tourism because I think I think winery ends up, you know it, it ends up being, that um, the wine industry gets uh, a lot of the blame for traffic and you know all of that to where I think that you have to add hospitality or the the hotel side of it into the the, the that equation too and I think that um, uh, up until this point we haven't had a lot of dialogue uh, regarding the hospitality industry and the, the number of employees that it takes to keep that going the traffic report that came out recently talked about A lot of the traffic being
0: not so much tourist traffic, but people that are working inside Napa County, whether it's in the hospitality industry or the wine industry, but that it was really homegrown kind of traffic.
1: And a lot of that traffic um, is uh, opposite of maybe what some of the people in Napa County are used to. I can remember when I grew up in American Canyon... Uh, Everybody worked at Mare Island. Everybody commuted out of the county county. in the morning and came back in in the afternoon. And now we have the reverse commute. I do it every day. I commute from American Canyon up to Napa every morning. And uh, we import a significant number of workers into the valley. And so, you know, how do we, and and really the state highway system hasn't changed all that that much uh, since that reverse commute. And so I think it's what we have to do is look at um, the number of employees that we have commuting in. Uh, we either need to um, provide housing in the county for that, and I don't I don't see that happening. <laughs> um, it's very expensive to live here. When you look at some of the jobs associated with either the wine industry at the, at the farm worker level or at the, the warehouse or winery, winery uh, worker, or you look at the hospitality industry, you know, those jobs, um, you know, in Napa County, they probably pay a little bit more than they would in other areas, but still you're looking at jobs that are, uh, you know, at the 15, $18 an hour level, you can't live in Napa County
0: at that level. And that is the irony and the frustration in all of this, that on the one hand, nobody wants any growth in terms of additional housing here, or at least not significant growth. I mean, it's taken 10 years or more just to discuss Napa Pipe. And in fact, at the same time, people have to come in here to work. So, you know, it's either traffic or housing, one or the other in many ways.
1: And I, where I would like to go with this, and I think it's the direction that, we, that we, we're going to go, is in March, uh, we're going to have a, kind of a, an update, uh, from the planning director, uh, kind of a town hall meeting, I think is what, uh, uh supervisor Dylan or, uh, chairman Dylan is, is looking at. Uh, and I think that, that, uh, I hope that, uh, the city show up and participate in that discussion. But I, I think after that, uh, and I, I believe that, that, uh, Diane brought this up early on, uh, in January, when she took over as the, the chairperson of the board of supervisors, um, is we need to have another growth summit. Uh, we we did that about uh, eight or nine years ago. Uh, we need to uh, engage with our partners at the at the cities, and we need to really talk about growth for the entire uh, Napa Valley, the entire region, the, the entire county, or however you want to look at it. And we need to talk about uh, traffic, housing, um, you know, the hospitality and 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 growth in all those markets. Um, you know, there's been a significant number of hotel rooms added um, in, in the valley. And, and there's when you start to get to uh, some of the upper end hotels, uh, there's two to three workers that are associated with every one of those rooms.
0: The other side of it is the economic component, the fact that the valley is doing as well as it is economically, which makes everyone very happy. And that when you look at the valley compared to communities of a similar size and of a rural nature, and and even to some of our neighboring counties, Napa County is doing pretty darn well economically.
1: Uh, doing really well. I, I, the The most recent numbers that I've heard is 14 or 14 and a half billion dollars annually um, economic impact from from the wine industry, and you know that goes across all of the tourism and all those markets. Um, and you know the the. Um, Unemployment levels are, are fairly low, one of the lowest in the nine Bay Area counties. I think Marin County is the only other North Bay County right. that's lower than we are. Um, you know, we, we've done very well. Uh, the the, the um, um, property values in this county are, are very, very high. Um, and, you know, I think that we've done well. And I think if you really look at the numbers on the growth, even if you factor in American Canyon, the numbers are still fairly low as far as, as uh, this growth. So when I hear from people about out-of-control county growth and so on and so forth, um, usually there's a lot of misinformation that that's associated with that. Or they live somewhere and they've had a, a negative impact from something that's occurred right, right next to them and so they then have this perception that that there's this rampant growth all over the county.
0: Even people in the city, where the growth has been concentrated and where the growth has been happening, they look at that as just growth in the county. They don't distinguish between city growth and county growth.
1: Right. Um, Napa pipe. I, I, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some credit for that, and I'm gonna really talk about the long term. Um, impacts that napa pipe's going to have when i came on the board of supervisors napa pipe was well on its way it was uh at that time being talked about 3200 units uh the county board of supervisors i think made a decision um you know prior to prior to my involvement with the board that um they were tired of being sued they were tired of having to uh you know, pay uh, some of these people that were, that were suing the county over the fact that we didn't have a certified housing element. And, uh, you know, they made a decision to, to um, move forward with Napa Pipe. I think what we ended up getting, of which I was uh, very much involved, I sat on the uh, one of the two members, myself and Supervisor Dodd, now Assemblymember Dodd, and uh, Mayor Jill Teckle and uh, Councilwoman Juliana Inman, we met time after time after time, trying to come to a compromise agreement, and I think ultimately that agreement will go down as as one of the um, um, decisions and policy decision that was made by both the Board of supervisors and the and the Napa City Council that has that y- years into the future will protect agriculture and protect that agricultural industry because. Uh, the agreement states that in the future as long as we maintain uh, measure J measure P as long as we maintain that protection of agricultural property in this county that the city of Napa will provide 80% of our housing uh, whatever the state does with that housing requirement that the city of Napa will do that that takes a huge amount of pressure off of the county because the choices that we have as a, as a county agency is either uh, we don't have any residential property zoned property in this county very few we have a little bit up in Angwin every time you talk about any new housing starts in Angwin you know that starts a right. dialogue a little bit Meadowood we have a little bit in Meadowood but you know are you really going to provide <laughs> any kind of uh, housing you know uh, in those areas and so what then you have to look at is you have to look at either taking industrial land, which is what Napa pipe was originally zoned. Uh, I might add it was a highly contaminated brownfield. Brownfield. Um, Or you start looking at agricultural land uh, to be used for housing because the housing mandates that we have at the state, I hear from some people that say, well, just tell the state to go pound sand. Well, that has issues associated with that and and you know we we know what those issues are and it then opens you up also to litigation and we've been uh, challenged with litigation over the years too have you seen
0: in terms of public comment public opinion some progression in terms of people coming to realize some of these issues that you've been talking about because for years it was there's no other way to describe it except the same old people saying the same thing over and over again, no growth, we don't want this, we don't want that. There seemed, Those people are still around, but there seems to be a little more sanity, at least, in some of these discussions and, and a little more sense of, of what the reality is, as you've been
1: talking about it. Right. Um, so back to Napa Pipe, um, there was some people that... Um, that uh, I was involved with uh, when I ran for county supervisor back in 2007 2008, uh, I said that I did not support uh, Napa Pipe as it was uh, currently proposed. Once again, it was 3,200 units; um, it was going to be developed in the county, and I had some real concerns with that. And so did Get a Grip and and. And uh, Jenny Sims uh, and and other individuals have been very vocal against it. I think as we move forward with which with what was finally agreed to with the city of Napa and the county of Napa, and that is that eighty uh, percent housing now and into the future, um, they did not oppose Napa Pipe in its final. Um, um they offered what i think were some very constructive comments on how to you know kind of wrap that final bow on the uh-huh. on the entire package but um you know I, I think at the end of the day they saw that um developing napa pipe doing the brownfield uh, you know surrounded on three sides by the city of napa doing that made a lot more sense than every seven years as the housing element came forward for the county trying to figure out where we would put housing you know we tried to do that up at Lake Berryessa that didn't work real well Uh, and that has caused cost the taxpayers of Napa County millions of dollars on some of the improvements that were necessary for the resort improvement districts or the Berryessa States, Berryessa Highlands I think putting any other um, affordable housing uh, up in those rural areas makes no sense, um, and and uh, city, city-centered city growth in an area where you already have all of the infrastructure makes a lot more sense than, than trying to do the other. So I want
0: to talk about the other part of that, which is truly the heart of your district, which is the American Canyon traffic situation, and, and something I know you've been very involved in looking at. And the possibility of widening uh, Twenty Nine and the flyover and, and all
1: of the things associated with that. Where
0: does all that stand at this point?
1: Well, uh, you know that's that's a that's a, a complex uh, conversation. And I, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity, Jeff. If we have time, I'd sure, like to do. talk a little yeah. bit about American Canyon because I think. Uh, in many ways, um, they get a bad rap, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I read it constantly. Some of it is from the same the same bloggers and the right. same people that 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 uh, are just you know haters or whatever you want to call them. Um, If you look at uh, ABAG, if you look at ABAG produces a document uh, every year or every other year that looks at the number of uh, job uh, creations and the number of housing units. Um, If you look at that for Napa County, you will see that the only entity that has provided more housing than they have jobs is American Canyon. American Canyon has not grown that many jobs. Would they like to grow some more jobs? Yes, I, I think they would like to grow. You know, in those those uh, upper upper um, you know blue collar wage jobs uh, instead of the warehouse, you know, fifteen dollar uh-huh. an hour jobs. Um, but the reality is they pro- they're provided more housing. So when we have a community that has to import. The number that I see constantly is 29,000 workers on a daily basis. And then you have a community right in the county that provides more housing than they do jobs. You know, I think that if other communities were to do the same thing, if there was some nexus that says if you provide this many new jobs, you have to provide this many new housing starts, that you wouldn't see the amount. You actually have some communities in the valley that have less Uh, housing units available and they at the same time because those housing units have been sold as second dwelling units uh vacation homes um but at the same time they've approved jobs then they are just adding to that traffic issue that you see in american canyon the the most recent traffic survey looked at where people began their trip and and where Mm -hmm. they ended their trip and if you look at that traffic that goes through American Canyon, and it's really only uh, a couple hours in the morning, an hour, hour and a half in the morning, and it's a little longer in the afternoon that it becomes that gridlock, um, that's traffic that's, that's flowing in from other parts mm-hmm. of the Bay Area or from Vallejo or from affordable housing mainly that's in Solano County. Uh, and it has really nothing to do with American Canyon other than as American Canyon developed – The state of California, the State Department of Transportation said, in order to safely develop your commercial area, you need to provide traffic signals. You put in traffic signals, and and that's an impediment to traffic to move freely, and you end up with the backup.
0: The other part of it is that you have a city that really exists on two sides of a major highway, and the cross-traffic has its
1: problems as well. All of which was, was... started uh when it was unincorporated napa county and it was fine for napa county to put all of its affordable housing there um and and not do a lot of long-range planning back in the day now that said american canyon incorporated in 92 and as you know jeff i never i didn't work for the city of american canyon but i've worked along with them for many years until i retired in 2007 uh, do I think that American Canyon made all of the best decisions about development? The answer is no, I don't. I think that they could have done a lot better than what they did. But you know, um, we are looking at a city that that incorporated 20 years ago, and you compare that to cities back, uh, other cities in this valley that may be incorporated in the late 1800s. The 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 right. the. Um, the time or the, the, the way that things progress now versus right? what happened Very back in different. the 1800s. It's a whole different story. I think that, uh, recently American Canyon has done a fairly good job on, uh, making decisions on some development Watson ranch. That's been in the, uh, process for quite some time. Uh, I don't see that, uh, being approved by the city council anytime quickly, I think they're going to take their time. They're going to make sure that it's a quality project, that the appropriate mitigation measures are there, dealing with traffic, dealing with water, uh, and I think that we'll end up with a, a quality project at some point.
0: Of course, the ultimate mitigation measure is the widening of 29 and, and whether or not that's
1: something that uh, can be ever be afforded,
0: whether the state is going to participate
1: in that. Well, as I routinely have conversations with uh, Caltrans, and I think that, You know, Caltrans is another agency that maybe takes a bum rap on some things, but uh, uh, the uh, State Highway 29 that runs through American Canyon, the last major improvement that was done on that road was in the mid-1980s, and it was when they put the Lombard overcrossing over the railroad tracks. I can remember back to the day to where the trains crossed actually Highway 29 with crossing arms and you'd end up with five, six, seven-mile backups associated with that train. But, you know, the record is very clear. The facts are very clear is that the last major development on that highway was the Lombard overcrossing. Since then, the only thing that's occurred is uh, the installation of the traffic lights, which were required as part of the... Uh, development on either side of the road as you indicated the state of california which runs that whenever um, a uh, use permit application let's take walmart for an example when that use permit application went through the city of american canyon caltrans had the ability to say we we would like you to impose the following mitigation measures and if they had a design that said we think it 29 should be a six-lane road they could have required that mitigation measure Uh as part of that development the problem is there was no plan for highway 29 um, either by the county or by nctpa or by the city of american canyon and so the state of california the caltrans they couldn't implement a measure, mitigation measure because there was no design for that mitigation measure. And so up until recently, have we actually had the uh, 29 corridor study through funded through NCTPA. Uh, and we actually looked at that and they came up now with what is the design is that that will be six lanes um, all the way from the 37 interchange in Vallejo all the way up through American Canyon. Uh, and then back down to four lanes as we get up near the airport area so that your question is how are we going to pay for all that well in hindsight had we had that plan 15 or 20 years ago as development came forward we could have put some money away for it you would have collected a traffic impact fee and you would have put money away for it so i think now we're going to have to look at Um, You know, um, do we do something like the county of Sonoma did to where they they've done a couple of different traffic uh, fees or sales tax to where they've done one that takes care of maintenance, uh, some maintenance efforts in Sonoma County. But then they did the county-wide one that created 101. 101 has now been expanded to three lanes in both directions, all the way from the Marin County line up through Santa Rosa to Windsor area, and and that was a largely paid for by uh, a sales tax that was approved by the the residents. Now, am I advocating that in Napa County? No, I don't want I don't want to get. All of your listening uh, <laughs> uh, individuals, but I think that that's a dialogue that we have to have. Uh, it appears at the federal level uh, that uh, in a bipartisan manner, we'll, we'll see if this happens, that the federal government is, is ready to start to talk about the uh, uh, highway um, trust fund. And how that's going to be funded, because that has not been raised for a right. long Seriously time. Seriously depleted at the it moment. It is. And so uh, that may uh, provide an opportunity of, of some funding. Um, I think it's, it's my opinion that anything that includes federal or state dollars is going to require a local match. And the higher that local match that you have, either it be between uh, development money that's collected as part of a mitigation fee for any future development in American Canyon, because as you know, you cannot collect a fee on an existing deficiency. And so you can only collect that fee on what impact, say, um, uh, Watson Ranch subdivision may have on 29 traffic, not the deficiency that's already there. And so I think I think however you do that, you're still going to end up with uh, a shortfall in local match uh, that we're going to have to have a discussion. Is that something that we want to look at from a from a countywide basis? Because I think the, the data that I've seen associated with the most recent traffic count numbers is. When you build a resort, and I'm not picking on any of the Up Valley cities in particular, but when you when you build something Up Valley that requires uh, 200 new employees, and we all know that new employees that are working at making $15 an hour are not going to afford to be able to live Up Valley, and they are commuting in from Vallejo, does that have an impact? And, and do we start to look at things from more of a regional or countywide level? That's that's what I want to have is that conversation.
0: In terms of mitigating the traffic, there's been discussion over the years beyond thinking about just widening Highway 29 of maybe some kind of connection that goes from maybe around Green Island that goes southeast and that, that is more of a, a highway that connects with 80 that well. Way.
1: Uh, 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 on the traffic front, I, you know, I was the I was the chairperson for uh, NCTPA for three years, and, and mm-hmm. uh, I just stepped off in July, and now uh, Mayor John Dunbar is the current chair, chairman of that organization. Um, you know, there's a lot of low hanging fruit associated with the traffic. Uh, I commute in this every day. Almost every one of those vehicles are single occupant vehicles. And so we are never going to pave our way out of this issue. If you build three lane or six lanes all the way through American Canyon, you will fill all those lanes up soon, very soon. Um, especially as now, you know, I saw in Napa that we actually went below $2 a gallon uh, for, for, for gasoline um, here recently. And so you start, you continue to have those single occupant vehicles Um, I I think the low-hanging fruit in order to deal with the traffic issue is, one, the easiest thing to do is to start working with the employers and start to, to alternate start times on employees. And and even I think that's with the where we're sitting right now and that's at Napa Valley College. Mm-hmm. I can tell you in the morning when I commute, I'm commuting with a lot of students that come in to Napa Valley College from Vallejo or from American Canyon and that adds to the traffic. The 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 bad commute in the morning lasts maybe an hour, hour and a half, and it coincides with starts. Uh, start times for schools and start times for the state hospital, the county itself. I mean, we still have the traditional eight to five Uh start. And I think that all of us need to get together uh, uh, as employers and and really start to talk about alternate uh, work schedules. That's one. Number two is I think NCTPA, our ridership numbers are really up on the public transportation and uh, up further than what it was before we kind of dismantled the whole uh, Napa City bus schedule. Our, our numbers across the board on every one of our routes are up thirty and forty percent.
0: Are Those significant. Let me interrupt you for half a second. are, are Those significant numbers, though, because I hear. I mean, I, this from my personal experience, and I hear people
1: say this all the time that they look in buses and they're virtually empty. And and that is true. That is true. And 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 we have actually really started to address that. And what we what we're starting to do is instead of running the same. Um, you know 50 foot bus all day long what we've looked at doing is during those peak times now if you look at the bus and I think it's the number 10 bus uh, the 29 corridor bus that comes up from Vallejo I can tell you that that bus is standing room only in the morning as it comes Mm -hmm. into Napa Valley College and and so during, during that time of the, the commute, does it make sense to maybe add another bus to that route? But the rest of the day when those buses are almost empty, does it make more sense to maybe put a smaller uh-huh. bus on that route and, and run it less frequently? Uh, you, you know, does that make sense? And I think that... We, st- we are finally starting to do some of the improvements on that system. Uh, now we, we're installing GPS on all of the buses. Uh, it's automatic, automated um, uh, uh, passenger uh, counting. We can get real-time data. Uh, our staff can get real-time data off of that. And, and so I think that we're going to make some significant improvements uh, to transportation. And this is on a line that some areas we've already seen a 40% increase. So, you know, are there empty buses? Yes. At the same time, I would say, and there's buses that are overfilled, too, that are standing room only. Um, we just need to, to I think, um, uh, maybe adjust the system and fine tune the system uh, and, and then start to attract people. Is there a reason why people during the midday don't use the buses to do their shopping or whatever? Uh, and, and I think that as we engage some of the riders and we start to bring new riders on board, that uh, we can improve the entire system. So public transit, which is, uh, you know, I've, I've had the, the ability to, to visit Europe um, in the last couple of years. And there, public transportation is the norm. And owning a car is not the norm. Right. Very few people own cars. Uh, some people own scooters. Um and uh, public transportation is just a way of life there. Here in the United States, specifically in Northern California, public transportation, unless you live in the city of San Francisco or some right. of the other areas, it's just not the norm. So I, I think that there's some, some adjustments that we can make there too. While we're talking about cost, something
0: else that you've been very involved in that I want to get your thoughts on is this whole idea of building a new jail, in fact. Right across the street here from, uh, from the college, there's a site that's been picked out more or less. Talk a little bit about how that's going to be paid for. At one point, there was a lot of talk around about a bond issue that sort of went away and, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about yes, we need it, how are we going to pay for it?
1: Well, uh, uh, as we start to have that conversation, I think I think you need to kind of to frame why we're, we're looking at a new jail. And a lot of people are new to Napa County, and they don't realize um, just how old the existing jail is. And so what, what the existing jail, the front half of it, which we call the Hall of Justice, that was built in uh, 1968. It's been around a long time, and people um, – I, I don't want to invite people to do this because we're, after the earthquake, we're, we're um, not in normal operation at the jail, and I'll talk about that in a minute – But uh, those have been that have taken a tour of the jail uh, know that it's a real old style, big steel bars, big doors that slide back and forth, very narrow hallways. And, uh, you know, it's the old jails that people see on TV. Uh, Then there's two wings that come off of the back of the jail. Um, and, um, those are more of one or two, uh, inmates per cell. Uh, and then there's common areas that, that they use throughout the day. Uh, and so it's very easy to, uh, keep an eye on people from our corrections department. Uh, the other one, the other jails, you almost have, you have to have a significant number of more correctional officers to keep an eye on all those. So, that said, we have a. Um, we are required by the state of California to have a, a, a certified number of inmates that we're allowed to have in there. And so our basic uh, bed count is about 259 beds uh, for inmates. Now, does the population go above and below that? Yes, it does. And we're allowed to do that in certain circumstances. What we've been seeing is that we haven't changed that bed number in many, many years. And so just because of population increase and others, we started to bump up against that numbers. We've we've been bumping up against that 259 uh, for many years, long before realignment, which is another thing I'll get into. So the county started some real innovative programs, and, and the innovative programs were... Uh, does it make sense for everyone that gets um, convicted of a crime to incarcerate them and have them serve time in the jail? And we thought not. We thought that there was maybe a reason why why do people commit crimes, and maybe we should address it from that level. So we were one of the very first counties in the state of California to do an alternative sentencing program to where you voluntarily, we couldn't force anybody to do it, you could either spend your time in jail, or if you volunteered, you would go through a program. And that program would really then have the inmates start to look at why they were committing crimes, what were the reasoning behind that, what they could do to better themselves and maybe not recommit, and then we would break this cycle of recidivism. And in in the United States... Most, it's a revolving door in most of the um, 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 correctional centers. About uh, 70% of all inmates recommit and go come right back in. So they they serve their time, they go out, they come right back in. And until you start to address that recidivism and start to break that cycle, um, you're not. All you can do is build more and more jails and prisons. And we know. We know not only in the state of California, but across the United States that that doesn't work, that we just can't continue to build prisons and, and, and correctional places. So the County has been working on this alternative sentencing and we've had some really good results from that. And so that's, what's been able to keep that bed count. We've been able to stay underneath that bed count. Well, uh, just because of the the age of that facility we knew that we needed to replace it so we started to have a conversation about building a new jail downtown and we heard loud and clear from the local community and our partners at the city of napa that they really didn't think that the highest and best use of that property in downtown napa was a jail and so the county started to look outside of the city of napa now remember most of the people that are in jail or in our custody, um, they come from the bigger population areas. So most of the inmates come from the city of Napa, American Canyon would be next and so on and so forth. So if the further you build the jail out into the wilderness, the longer the travel time that you have with the police officer that's taking the inmate there to be booked into the jail and the... the that has a significant impact on the police departments and their ability to provide for uh, public safety. And so you want to have the jail a little bit remote. You don't want to use up prime commercial property in downtown Napa, but you also don't want to create this situation where you have to put three or four more officers on duty just because you are The lost lost time. So we looked at sire property, and I think that the Board of Supervisors made a really – uh, strategic decision is the front half of the of the what used to be the basalt used to be Pacific Supply. The front half of that came on the market, uh, and and it was a um, it was a, a sale. We we didn't use eminent domain. We didn't do any of that. It was a voluntary sale, and we negotiated a price. and I think we did a, a fairly good job. So we purchased that piece of property. Around the same time, the state of California, who has been in trouble with the federal government over their prison system, uh, they did a little thing called AB-109, Assembly Bill 109. uh, And that's referred to as realignment. And we at the county and counties across the state of California, we refer to it as other things. But, you know, (laughs) I I probably can't talk about that. But what it really said was up until AB-109, is if you committed a crime and you were sentenced uh, to serve one year or more, you would do that time at the state prison level. If you serve, if you're uh, uh, to serve less than a year, you did that in your county jail. What realignment did is took that number completely out of the away, equation, right. and so I believe I've been told by staff that there is an inmate in Los Angeles County that was sentenced to 25 years in the county jail. Well, when you start to, to look at that, one, we're solving the state's problem, and two, the facility that we have in Napa is not designed to house inmates long-term. for a long-term period of time. Uh, we've been making do with what we have. The other issue that faces uh, Napa County in particular is the Napa State Hospital, Um, people that are at Napa State Hospital, individuals that are there, they're there because they have committed a crime. Um, They have committed a crime and they have been found to be uh, unable to stand trial for that original crime because of this uh, mental uh, issue. Um, If they commit a crime while they're at Napa State Hospital, they go back into our county jail and these are individuals that have such mental disabilities to begin with that uh, we, we at the county, our jail is not designed to house those individuals for not only their protection, but for the protection of our correctional officers and other inmates. And so that has been very challenging uh, to the jail. The other part of the equation is we're seeing uh, more female inmates than what we saw 25, 30 years ago, and so the, those numbers have changed a little bit, and that's put some pressures. at At the end of the day, uh, what it what it's required is that we look at building a new modern facility that allows us to safely. Um, uh, house uh, all of the um, inmates that I've described,
0: and the earthquake did some damage to the to the, the jail, which was in bad shape to start with, as you've talked about. But the earthquake did some serious damage.
1: Well, the the earthquake that did the damage, we were already going down a path. Right. We were already moving towards building this jail. So, um, the, what where we're at right now, and then I'll get into the earthquake, what that's done lately, is uh, we we need to build a facility that can house around 300 inmates and and we've done projections 20 years out we think that 20 years out even with using utilizing these alternative sentencing programs that that the number of inmates that we have in the jail are going to rise and 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 we have the ability with the sire property it's large enough that we can go in phase one and maybe build a facility that's 300, 350 beds. And then down the, down the road, if we need to add additional units to right. that, that we can do that right on the same facility. And so that's what we're looking at doing. The initial thing that we're looking at is, uh, and we have secured a grant to do this, the whole, the whole cost of this facility we estimated uh, two years ago to be about $120 million dollars. Well, what we've what we've done is uh, through uh, state Senate Bill 1022, which is some state funding that kind of said, okay, we gave you we gave you realignment. Now we're going to offer the opportunity for you to get some funding. It'll be a little bit. Funny. So the county applied for a grant uh, from the state of California to build a 72-bed um, facility uh, that would. It's it's not a high. It's not a high security facility. There is security that's involved there, um, but uh, people are allowed to come and go. And and normally we use this for individuals that have been incarcerated that are transitioning back out. And so we provide a lot of programs there. We help people with employment. A lot of people uh, get reemployed. They need to come and go as part of the work program. Or we have individuals that that are Uh, um, convicted of a lesser nonviolent crime that are already employed does it make sense for someone that's convicted of a crime that has employment their employers willing to keep them to then incarcerate them in jail for this minor offense and they lose their job so then, when they come out, they're unimpo- They don't have a job. They don't have benefits. So we have facility that allows people, in order to keep their job, they go to their work. They come back. They go back into our facility. So uh, the state of California has um, awarded uh, Napa County a thirteen and a half million dollar grant, which will pay for the entire cost of this seventy-two bed facility is fifteen point two million. And so the county's picking up a very small portion of that, and that'll be phase one of the SIRE project. So then we get into individuals that are not nonviolent, that are not eligible for this come and go as you want. Right, that are housed program. in the current jail. They need to be in a jail that's completely secured. And so uh, we still have to build that. Right now, the numbers are about $100 million Um, The county, because of uh, some other uh, needs that we've had, uh, we may have, you know, 10 to 15 percent of that. But we're still looking at a significant amount of money that we're going to have to come up with. So uh, we've looked at a couple of things. And I don't think anything is off the table. Uh, We talked about maybe a general obligation bond to where we would put that bond out and it would be paid back through uh, property tax, uh, additional Uh assessments. Um, We talked about that a little bit. We watched with interest what the college just did. Uh, There was some talk that uh, the school district may be moving forward with one in 2016. The college might be back out. Uh Uh, So, you know, we're, we're still considering that. The one thing that I looked at is, once again, you can't make up for existing deficiencies, but there seemed to be a nexus to me uh, on population increase and the need for jail beds. I've since talked with uh, an individual, John Pearson, that I uh, have a lot of respect for, who has done, uh, even though he's retired, he used to be with the county corrections department, he is retired, And, uh, I had the pleasure of sitting on the mental health board with John. He did some analysis and it appears that there is no direct correlation between population and, uh, jail numbers. Um, but I wanted to start to have a dialogue with our partners at the cities to see whether there was a way that we could, we could come up with a funding source for the jail, um, We'll continue to have those discussions. We'll try to flush out those numbers a little bit more. But um, I think that we may be back to looking at uh, potentially a general obligation bond or something like that. But uh, at least now we we are going to have conversations with the cities. We're going to tell them our need and I think that we can come up with something. What are
0: some of the other options? There's the impact fee, which I know you've, you've talked a little bit about, and I don't know where that stands. There's parcel tax, which has been talked about. I mean, all of these things are things that are often used for these type of
1: situations. Since the state of California is in a little better uh, financial situation, all of a sudden their financial uh, issue went away, and they're starting to have some surpluses, and I, I have to... Uh, Uh, agree with the governor that now that we have a surplus it's not just run out and figure out ways to spend that Um, but they are offering up some financial there's there's rumor that there will be another round of um, correctional facility funding uh, since uh, we continue to move forward at the county level because a lot of the funding that comes out jeff uh, some of the funding that we were successful in getting for say water treatment plants and some Uh other things is a lot of times that funding comes on a very short notice. You have to have your environment, environmental document completely done. You have to have construction-ready plans. They refer to them as shovel-ready projects. And I think that the next round of funding that is going to come from the state of California is going to be for those um, um, entities that have shovel-ready projects. And so we've already approved the environmental document for our jail here. Phase one, which is this 72-bed um, facility, uh, we should be starting construction on that next year. We already have secured that funding, but the rest of the jail is in the final stages of being planned right now, and we should have construction-ready documents within a year. So I think that that's another, if we are in a position that we can uh, apply for and and receive Um, say, another grant for 30 or $40 million, uh, I think the citizens will see that um, because we are um, leveraging these other sources. They might be a little more interested in providing with uh, some general obligation fund. The only other funding source, uh, Jeff, would be to use general fund money. Uh, And, you know, we probably will use some general fund money. I think that's part of the equation. But at the same time, I get... um, emails and phone calls on a routine basis saying hey the roads are terrible why don't you fix the roads Um, there's limited funding available for the roads and we are we are supplementing more and more general fund dollars into that roads budget along with the measure t sales tax money that we still haven't got a dime from that. We won't get any money for that for three more years. But we have already started to move general fund money over at the Board of Supervisors. We're going to eventually move $3.5 million a year from general fund over. So even though the county is fairly conservative in its financial dealings, and we have, uh, we did have a fairly significant capitals Uh, budget between the purchase of day labs uh, which was a godsend after this earthquake right Uh, and that was a very very uh, good financial dealing 25 million dollars for that facility Um, I think if we turned around and went to buy that today we'd be in the 40 million dollar level so um, that was a, a very good move Um, and the purchase of the jail property, I think was done at a very opportune time, but we've spent down that capital budget. We had about $65 million sitting in a, in a reserve for capital projects. Uh, all of the 65 billion is already spoken for between, between what we've already purchased date or the move of our health and human services. Um, we have people, employees that are in buildings out at Health and Human Services that were built in the early 1900s. We have others that are in temporary trailers that have already far outlasted their 20-year lifespan. And so that was something that was already in process, that we were moving all of Health and Human Services from Old Sonoma Road site out to the day, lab to the site. day labs. Um, at some point, we will sell then off the Sonoma property. The Sonoma property, <clears throat> potentially uh, some other properties. We've talked about the Carrithers building in downtown Napa as as we make some changes and move some people around that that may become surplus. We've already factored in all of that surplus sale uh, as part of that. And so at the end of the day, there's still a shortfall. So we, and we being the county in, in the next couple of years, or the next six months to a year, we'll be having these dialogues about how are we going to finance um, the jail and some of the other capital projects. And so uh, input from the, from the community uh, will, be, will be sought, and uh, we'll see um, if we make, I think if we make the case, if we prevent, uh, present the facts, we present what the county has done, as far as um, securing outside grants, doing this or doing that. And we make a compelling um, statement that uh, we'll be able to move forward with some sort of a local financing plan.
0: It's almost the reverse of transportation issues where the local match has to be there first before getting the money from the state or from the feds. With the jail, it sounds like there may be an opportunity to get the money from the state and then the community come in with the rest along with the general fund at that point
1: but there but there's no guarantees right I, I think the the state is in fairly good financial position right now but as you know the minute uh the minute that the governor announced that there was a billion dollar surplus or two billion dollars everybody surplus, wanted it everyone <laughs> said uh you know let's increase the you know certain programs mm. Uh, I think the governor was very wise in saying, you know what, we have a significant unfunded liability dealing with uh, uh, retirement benefits and post-retirement benefits, OPEB. And uh, I think that he's going to buy down some of that unfunded liability. And these are all things that the county of Napa has already done.
0: I want to come back to, to where we started, which is that there's so many things on, on the table right now. Many of the things, as you said at the outset, are in your district things like the jail that you're deeply involved in and have been which really brings it around to a political question as we wrap this up and and whether or not you're going to run for re-election when your term is up in uh 2016
1: You know um I've I've uh had the the um the privilege of of serving um the 5th district voters uh for six years now Um, the first time was a a good hot hard-fought election Um, and uh, you know I I I I think that uh, that um, I've done a a fairly good job since then and that was validated again uh, when I ran unopposed uh, for my second term and I believe that I could run unopposed for a third term but I have some other things that um, from my family life, I, this will be 40 years of public service for me, a lot of which was done as a firefighter. And uh, I can't uh, tell you how many uh, holidays that I spent at work um, and missed with my own son. Um, I have two uh, young grandchildren, um, five and three, and uh, I'd really like to spend some more time with them. So. Right now, I'm I'm leaning towards not running for uh, re-election in in 2016. Um, but you haven't made a final decision. yet. You know, I haven't made a final decision. I think I think it. You always need to keep things open. I've I've learned that in in politics that, uh, um, you know, you never you never know what might change. Uh, I am very happy with with what I've been able to accomplish up until this point. Uh, I'm deeply involved in some projects that I think. Uh, uh, have made a difference uh, to to taxpayers. I, everyone thinks at the county level that you solely work in your district, and that is, and that's it. And that's far from it. Some of the work that I'm the most proud of is my work up in various states and and finding a solution to a problem that I have to tell you a lot of a lot of staff at the county um, told me early on that there was no solution for that community, and that. Uh, the, the only solution might be to declare bankruptcy and walk away from the walk away from the resort improvement district and i think that working together with with supervisor dodd um uh, going to the state of California really making our case that that we've been able to, to do some things and it's made a difference in people's lives
0: is the board different with uh, a different makeup without supervisor Dodd there
1: it is uh, supervisor and Dodd he cast and I, a large shadow as we all know we work together on a lot of things and uh, he would always kid and say that uh, his his uh, we had partnership uh, Bill and I did on many many projects. And he always uh, would kid and say that uh, his job was to handle the political side of it, and to make those phone calls uh, when they needed to be done, and and mine was to work on the the numbers side of it and the in the operation. You know how to, how does that all go together? And so I think we made a really good team. Uh, I I have a phone call into uh, Assembly Member Dodd right now, and I'm working on uh, changing Napa State Hospital from uh, they're now using potable water out there for a significant amount of potable water that could be used, uh, f- uh, in this drought year for drinking water. They're using that for irrigation. And so I'm trying to make the case that, uh, the state of California, uh, convert that over to recycled water, which runs right through the right center through there, of the, right? the hospital now. So, um, I, I still continue to, to stay in contact with Bill, and he's such an advocate for for Napa uh, at the state level. And it's, it's nice to to be able to call his cell phone and say, hey, Bill, we need to get together. So that it's just a, a great thing for Napa County.
0: Napa County Supervisor Keith Caldwell, I thank you so much for coming in and spending time with us today. Great. Thank Appreciate you, Jeff. NapaBroadcasting.com. Controversy, fun, and
1: conversation. All the things that radio used to be. NapaBroadcasting.com.